Evangelist Scott Means this morning, along with uh, Pastor John Fowler from the Gasway Campus, and Scott Means with the World Outreach Ministries and Elk River Ministries. So let me ask you something, Scott. What has happened and has transformed from last week to this week? Are you signing more autographs than you did before? <laughs> I'm just a nobody that I've always been. I love that song, Just a Nobody. It's trying to tell everybody about a somebody. somebody. I, I forgot about that song, and uh, I'll have to play that today. I like it. No doubt. Hey, we'd like to say good morning. Well, we probably can't say good morning to the people in Russia because it's now morning there. So we'd like to say hello to the people that are listening in Russia. Hello there. Glad to have you tuned in today, along with uh, many other people in many other countries. And we just thank you. And plus the ones in the, in the good old United States. Well, let me ask you something. And be careful what you say so we don't get kicked off. But what do you think of this thing with Trump? Well, I think it's sad. It, it, it's, a, it's a reminder to us, John, of where our country is today. Yeah. And uh, the Founding Fathers, you imagine what George Washington would think of our country with the things that are transpiring right now. Yeah. I think I think somebody had quoted on Newsmax the other day that Abraham Lincoln, what Abraham Lincoln was concerned about is uh, is America destroying itself, and that was one of the things he was concerned about. Yes. And I think a lot of that is going on today, but I don't think the left the left wing uh, Scott doesn't see it. They think they're doing the right thing, you know. I mean, you know, time will tell whether Trump is guilty or not, but. You know, here's one thing that I could say is I think he's out of his mind to run again. I wouldn't do that. I mean, you've got it made. I mean, it's like I wouldn't do it, but he loves the American people uh, so much that he wants to do the right thing. But I don't think that there was anything that he didn't promise on his campaign trail that he did, that he didn't do. And people are shocked by that. And so it just goes back to to where the church is and why is the church allowing a lot of this stuff to go on because we're the most powerful identity that there is and you know bigger than the outhouse bigger than the white house you know we are the church yes, yes. but but it seems like that the church is still laid back here and why do you think that is well john I, that that is a wonder i mean i i really can't I don't, don't understand that. You know, and part of it is why I'm teaching what I'm teaching right now. Um, I know I've probably upset a lot of people, but if you all just hang with me a little while, I have scripture for all this of, of what's happening in our nation with the political arena. Uh, but I have to get there. You know, it's going to, we got to go through this process because, um, you know, what, what I'm ministering here, John, is things that God's been speaking to me for since the spring of 2020. Uh, that was about the time I met you, I yes. think. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, this is all in the Word of God. Right. Everything that we're seeing unfold, John, is in the Word of God. And uh, But, you know, Jesus spoke to the disciples, and there are times that he had to stop. He said, because you're not ready to receive what I have to say right now, so I can't say it. And uh, so the things that I'm ministering about here, John, I know it's it's not popular, but it needs said because they, you're exactly right. The church could change all this through the power of God. This could all be turned around. And, uh, you know, 
there's a saying, as the church goes, so goes the nation. And I believe there's a lot more truth in that than we realize. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's if the church would fully come back to God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, God would change Washington, D.C. Yeah. Do you remember September? Of course you do. September 11th. And you had the Senate and the House uh, making a resolution out on the out on the Capitol steps. They were unified. But then it doesn't take very long to get to get people un uh, you know, uh, unequally yoked, so to speak, in Congress and Senate. And but yet, you know, we see that so much in the church. There's so many different beliefs. There's so many different ways. Uh, you know, it's like. If you don't preach the King James, you're going to hell. If you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. If you baptize in Jesus only, you're okay. But you you have all this stuff. And and what's the old saying that, that my mom used to say this, that we, we uh, gag in a gnat and something. Swallow that, a camel. Swallow, swallow a camel. That's scripture. And, um, and how true that is. And, and when we need to get back to the simplistic of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what you do, preaching Jesus. And him being cru- and him crucified. Yes, and and it's a simple message that many times the enemy has tried to entangle and twist and and put all this other prerequisite stuff into it. Yes, and I think that it that's why people are like they are today. But I think that what you're doing is you're sharing the sim- the simple message of Jesus Christ and getting people where they need to be. Yes. And uh, Scott's over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 today, if you have your Bibles. And uh, what verse are you at? Verse uh, 1. Verse 1. Uh, I'd like to go through this whole chapter if we can do that. Probably not going to happen, but we'll try. <laughs> um, if, I stand, and, if I sit over here and don't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, John. I just oh, appreciate you asking questions and helping me with this because I, I'll, I'll just go over top of so many things. And uh, I really think a platform like this is just necessary, and it's awesome. I would love to have a half a dozen or a dozen ministers together that we could do this, you know, and just discuss things. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, because the Word of God says that, you know, if we can't, we we have to be able to agree to walk together. Well, and, now, this is not the John Fowler show. This is, this is, I mean, yeah, it has to have a name because you have to put a title in there yes, or it won't yes. upload. But but I am up for that. I mean, if you if you found a bunch of guys, even if we have to zoom them in, which we can do, it's probably simpler to do that instead of people having to drive down. But you know, we could zoom them in. We could bring them in on the phone. I mean, we could do a big, a yes. big powwow on a uh, on a evening. Sometime. I think it would be awesome. You know, you just let me know. Have your people call my people. We'll get it worked out. Well, you know, John, <laughs> in a relationship with a husband and wife, you have to have. Uh, you know, a, a communication. Yeah. And the, you know, the They're real close over the uh, relationship you can, you can bring it up is really, um, there you go. You know, marriage is about being able to say things to your spouse that they don't want to hear and to receive things from your spouse that you don't want to hear. Yeah. And, you know, relationships are built. And, you know, the church is a, is a family. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we ought to be able to come together and discuss things without, without, uh, fighting with one another yeah. but being able to come to a mutual agreement now mm-hmm. uh, i believe that there's uh, are we all going to have the same doctrine and agree about all things absolutely not right but we can agree on jesus christ and him crucified and the blood of christ and water baptism yes and i believe if the church could come together based upon those uh those principles 
there could be a lot done for the kingdom of God around the world, but especially in the United States of America. Yes. You know, instead of trying to build our own kingdoms, I would like to see the church be able to um, come together and build the kingdom of God. Yes. And because, you know, what, all we have is what God gives us. Mm-hmm. If it's a good message, it came from God. If yeah. it's a good work, it's the work of God. And so, you know, we need to get our identity out of there and just be identified with Christ and let Jesus receive the glory because, you know, it's it's all his kingdom. You know, yeah. he purchased it with his blood. Um, he, his Holy Spirit gives us all of the wor- the knowledge and the wisdom and everything that we have, the minister, all these things. It's all Jesus, John. Yeah. And it would be nice to be able to see the church focus on that because there's only one church. Yeah. Can you imagine, uh, you think of this, <clears throat> can you imagine three or four preachers and here I remember years ago when I was I was a young deacon at a church I was probably 20 and several of the churches that we attend, that we had in the conference were just depleting I mean they were very small churches this one building was the best building out of all of them <clears throat> and <clears throat> and so what happened was there was some conversation about merging churches and it, it got to a real good conversation, and people were thinking about it. They were going to sell off the other property and, and, you know, join in. But then there was this, who's going to be the pastor? And it all stopped after that. Yep. Can you imagine three or four churches in some of these areas to where you could actually combine? But I just don't see it happening because there's just too many – there's too many um, – Egos, many times, but then there's also too many beliefs, and to get people to a place where they could do that and to be a powerhouse, but it's like this. There are so many, and you live up Elk River, and there's a bunch of churches, and, and I live down here, and there's a bunch of churches, and you ever noticed how many Bible schools there are? Bible schools like crazy, and people are doing one the same week. Yeah. And so... It's like this. Why can't they all come together and say, okay, let's pick a week and do one together? Yeah. But I think the church is just too, it's not unified enough to do that. It's amazing that you started talking about all this and just wait till we get in this because, you know, I was seeking the Lord about this this morning. And, uh, and, you know, let's just get into scripture because we're going to come back to that. Now, we're talking about. the church today, and, and you know, the topic is false doctrine. Um, it's talking about, we've been talking about how money uh, has been misused and abused in the church. Um, and, you know, trying to, trying to define what, what you know, it, it should be and, the, you know, the way it should, the correct way. And so the Apostle Paul here speaking to Timothy, now I want you to think about this. The Apostle Paul's in his last days of his ministry here. First and Second Timothy. Timothy is the young man that would try to fill the shoes of the greatest apostle, in my opinion, that ever lived. One of the greatest men that ever lived, uh, other than Jesus. Paul was right there with Moses and, you know, those guys, uh, in my opinion. And so here he, if you'd like to think that if he's sending his farewell, giving his farewell address, or sending a letter to the, the person that would uh, take his position in the church, that's presiding. I mean, in the world, John. I mean, this is this is a huge, 
you know, uh, role that, that the Apostle Paul is placing on his young apprentice, if you will. Right. So I would think that the words Paul is speaking here would be, you know, some, some serious uh, uh, um, teaching and uh, foundation for the church, if you will. Uh, and so anyway, in verse chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, I want to just stop there for a second and look at this. It's talking about slaves. This is talking, this is Apostle Paul speaking about the situation if you are a slave. And slavery is awful, John. You know, it's been one of the, it's the biggest black mark against the American history that, uh, and it's awful. And, um, but it's, it's a reality. Now, you look at what Paul was saying here, let as many servants or, uh, that as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, John, how in the world could you be a slave and honor your master? Wow. But now that's what God is asking these people to do. Now, it, it, and let's go on. I just want you to get that mindset. He said, now why? Why would God that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed? Now, if God loved us when we were yet sinners, you think about the depths of this. I mean, we're digging into some deep, uh, you know, we're, this is the meat. This is not the milk. Um, God is saying that if you're a slave to keep the ministry and the name of Jesus Christ from being tainted, uh, you love your master. Right. Now, that's powerful, buddy. That's powerful. So those of you all out there that are Christians that have employers that don't treat you right you just love them anyway you just you just be kind to them anyway you be the jesus to that person even though and and uh because what we don't realize is is god's not going to leave us there john that's the starting place but god's not going to leave us god brought the children of israel out of slavery Amen. he Amen. brought them out okay so now let's let's continue now, these are unbelieving uh, slave owners. Now, he goes on in verse 2. He's talking about the believing slave owners. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren. Now, John, how in the world could you be a slave owner and be a Christian? But the Apostle Paul just said they are. Right. And so, you know, I don't know. I've heard different opinions about this. Slave owners, in that, and they said in the Middle East, the things that I've heard are like employees. You know, it's not the slavery that we've had in the United States of America where slaves were beaten and abused and, you know, the horror stories that we know about slavery in the United States of America. I, I don't know that. I mean, and I'm not sure anybody knows all those answers. Right. But I'm sure there was some bad. But now, if these are believing masters, I would like to think that they were kind to their slaves. Uh, you know, they were probably not all. But, you know, if they're believers, he said, and, and verse 2, and they that have believing masters. Uh, so, you know, Paul's saying here that they're Christians. Mm -hmm. Let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort so this is the standard for the church right. this is a foundational doctrine this is a stone in the foundation of the church that the apostle paul is is passing down you this wisdom to the to his uh, 
apprentice, Timothy. Now, so it's telling us no matter what situation that we're in, we're to continue to love to, with the love of God that God loved us with. To keep now, uh, when we speak about the full armor of God, you know, we there's a lot of teaching. I'm I'm gonna get into that one day, John. God's really given me some neat stuff on that. But one of the gospel, the preparation of the gospel, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Right. It's a peaceful gospel. Yes. It's a loving gospel. Right. When we're mistreated, we love. When they're unkind to us, we're kind to them. We're the only Jesus, maybe, that some of these people will ever see. But what we fail to realize is God will not leave you there. You know, it might be the starting point, but if we love, the Word of God says, what, as we said last week, what we sow is going to be where we'll reap. Well, I think about Joseph. Think about Joseph in that situation. Yes, yes. I mean, look what he received because of his obedience. Yes. His, not retaliation, but, but did he not love his brothers? I mean, he had a pretty raw deal, if you ask me. But yes, it seemed it like he—it was awful. But he seemed like he came out with flying collars. But you know, a lot of us, you know, in this life, and you know it, and I know it, and a lot of other people know it. If they've been in ministry any time of their life, you know, they've had—they've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. And Joseph was that way. And when we go through those things, and we come out with love and peace, that's the gospel. Yes. And I think that I mean, it's a good thought. Here's what, here's what the um, NIV or yeah NIV EV says on uh, verse two. It says, "Those who have believe have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better." Yes, that's what it says. Even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. That means they care about them yes. because they're believers. Yes. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. Yes. That's good. Now, what I want, one of the things I want to say too, John, Paul didn't say in here that uh, to be bitter, you, you deserve more money. You know, you're, this is not fair to you. Uh, you know, you ought to be millionaires. Everybody should be rich. That's not, right. see, you know, that's why we need the whole counsel of God's word. Right. You know, what, Paul didn't tell them what the outcome would be. And John's sad to say that in reality, sometimes we may never get the benefit of God on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. But we will get that benefit. Right. Uh, you know, whether it's on this earth or in heaven to come, whatever Whatever you do in service to God, you will be rewarded. Amen. You will be rewarded. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have it in heaven because in heaven it's forever. Here, the moths are going to eat it. The thieves are going to steal it. The taxes are going to take it on and on and on and on. And we only have it for just a vapor. Life is a vapor. Right. So I would much rather not, you know, I want to be invested in heaven, John. Yes. You know, that's that's if you invest in heaven, uh, you know, your that investment will give you a return for eternity. Yeah. And so that's what I so anyway, I just wanted to kind of focus on that to try to help us to realize, you know, how thwarted the this money, um, the view of money is in the church today, you know, because we in our Western civilization, John, 
you know, I, I think it I think it distorts our our vision, you know, a, a, a reality. And um, you know, even people who are unfortunate in our country are rich compared to people in other parts of the world. Yeah. And so I want to kind of give the you know the viewers or the listeners that that picture. Okay, let's go on. And, and he said in verse three, he said, "If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words." even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Now, this is what he's saying about these people that won't receive this. He is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, and, and surmisings. Okay, a minute ago you was talking about all of the division that's in the church. Mm-hmm. Isn't this what Paul is talking about here? Exactly. You know, we, 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 we're split up and we're arguing over words. And I looked this up in one of the commentaries. It's talking about like eternal security, uh, predestination. John, oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned predestination and you can start the World War III of the church world. Oh, yeah. And uh, it is an issue. But, you know, we're, we're arguing about, we're splitting hairs and arguing about things, you know, when the focus should be reaching the harvest. Yes. You know, we're, we, it, it, I told my guys, you know, we do masonry work. It's hard work. And I've made up my mind. If I'm going to be out there, at least I'm going to get something out of it. You know, don't mm-hmm. spin your wheels. Don't right. keep going in circles. You know, set your, set your, uh, your point of destination, set a course and go after it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we should be doing in for the kingdom of God too. And, uh, but John, that's we're so just good. going around circles, you know, it, but you think about what it says here. You know, there's all these. Doesn't that sound like the church today? It does. And then chat, verse five, it says, "Perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth." Listen to this. Now, this right here may get us cut off the air. <coughs> Supposing that gain is godliness, that gain is godliness. Now, how do we how do we preach prosperity in the church? especially in the United States of America, and miss that scripture. That's good. <laughs> Supposing that gain is godliness. John, what I see is the Holy Spirit is God. God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And what I see here is the Holy Spirit looking ahead in time into our day where we live right now <laughs> and seeing the mess that's in the church. You know, it's about if you have great wealth and, you know, God's great in your life. I mean, it's just what God does. John, that's just not reality. Uh-huh. You know, it's just not. It, uh, so, can, I read, but, can I read that one and uh, sure. listen to this one? And this is in, um, this is NIV. It says, and a constant friction between people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is the meaning of financial gain. There you go. So, you know, I was thinking today when I was combing my hair, getting ready to come down here, (laughs) I said, (laughs) I thought, here's what I thought. You know, people are in debt up to their eyeballs, but they think they're blessed. All right. So my thing is this, is that, it, it, people can say that they're blessed, but they have like this mound of debt. Is is true blessings when stuff is paid off? I believe. I believe that. So that uh, is, I mean, so the prosperity message 
not only is is twisted in some areas, <clears throat> but it's also when you pay that stuff off and it becomes, I mean, it's all God's anyway, and you got to give it back, but it belongs to the bank. I mean, my house is not paid off, but I walk through it a lot, and I say, you're paid off in Jesus' name. I'm going to pay you off. And But the thing about it is, is it really mine? Well, on the deed of trust it is, but on the deed it's got the bank's name too. So who's it belong to? Well, and they're also saying too, John, that um, I've heard the statement made that in 20 years the government will own all the houses in the nation too because of different ways. The, the buy-back plans where when you're older you can the government will buy your house. Oh, yeah. Um, and, John, we Reverse don't mortgage. If we don't pay our personal property taxes or real estate taxes. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're moth. No matter what we have, this world has a way of being able to take it. Yeah. In this world, but in heaven you can't take it. So why are we... Okay, why are, are we working so hard for stuff here yes, when yes. we should be laying up treasures yes, yes, yes. in heaven? Yes. And and so I, I get all that. I understand that. But, you know, I thought of something else, too. While I was, uh, while I was fixing coffee this morning, the prosperity message is not what you can get, but it's what you can give. Yes. Now, that's when I learned it. Yes. You know, that's, that's when I learned it. That's who Jesus is, John. And we're yeah. supposed to be like Jesus, our example. Yeah, about giving. And it's like, here's the thing. It's like when you when you give and you're and you are um honest in your giving and you're not trying to to twist it, you know, for people for financial gain. Yes. Okay, but when you're giving, you have no choice but to be blessed. Yes. Because you will be. Yeah, if you're if you're doing it out of the right heart. Yeah, doing it out of the right heart. And so, you know, it's like and then when I learned that, and I tell you who taught me that was John Sandy. You know, I've been tithing all my life, you know, ever since, you know, I was young. And uh, but then when I learned tithing 7%, I heard this statistic the other day. 7% of the church, the people that attend church, tithe. All right, which is bad. I mean, if you ask me, that's pretty bad. But but tithing ten percent is at the the most lowest part of your faith. That if you that if you know of tithing is is the lowest part of your faith, and then it only goes up from there in giving. But here's a key: when you give your tithes, but then the offerings of being able to bless other people to help other people, help other ministries. I find joy in that, Scott. I love doing that. Yes. Because, but I remember a day when I couldn't. But when I figured it out, that God wants to bless me by my obedience. You go into Deuteronomy 28. He taught, there's prerequisites to the blessings. Yes. But it's not about getting rich. It's about being obedient. And I think people miss that. Well, that, and this goes back to take no thought for your life. Do we really trust God? Do well, we really? I know. And, and I, I said that in the podcast yesterday because I was talking about faith and obedience and um, unbelief. And, and if you have unbelief, then basically what you're saying is that God can't do it. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, you can't say it any simpler. I mean, if we're wrangling trying to 
to do all these things and have all these things. On there. And I would just rather rest in God and trust God and let God do in me what God wants to do. Right. Whether that's, you know, uh, a menial uh, lifestyle financially or, you know, wealthy, John. You know, I just trust God to do in me what he wants to do. Because what he's telling me is that, Scott, don't focus on yourself. You don't have to take care of yourself, Scott. I'll take care of you. Right. You concentrate on ministry. And you just do what I've called you to do. Right. And the kingdom of heaven will be built. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. And God will take care of me in the meanwhile. That's so simple. Yeah. I mean, you know, it. and it's, it's. I love it, John. It's revolutionized my life. Right now, John, we got flooded. My business got flooded in August the 15th, last last fall. Right now, we are struggling to survive. But I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle how God has sustained us and kept us. That's the God I serve. Amen. Okay? Now, I'm here today doing a podcast. My flesh would want to be out there grinding. We've got to make money. We have to pay bills or whatever. I'm not getting into that. God has called me to preach his word. And so the pressures of life, the bills, the financial uh, situations that I face are not going to determine my day. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ determines my day. This morning and every morning I say, Lord, I I yield my life to you. I pray that I will not live today, that, Lord, you will live through me. Now, have I always done that? No. I mean, these are things that just recently happened, you know, in my life, John. And uh, But, you know, there's a huge work to do, and if it's going to be done, it's going to be done through God's people. John, we can't allow Satan to use the things of the world and the tactics that he's always used to keep us preoccupied in everything else under the sun and keep our focus off of what God has called us to do for the kingdom. I believe you're, you're probably referring to um, Matthew six thirty three, But seek ye first the kingdom of God yes. and his righteousness. Yes. And all these things shall be added unto you. So... Where's the hang-up with the church today? I know. You know. Well, that's what I'm saying, John. This this, this doctor, I believe in prosperity according to the Word of God. I just don't believe what it's been turned into. Right. And uh, this is what I believe. If I, if I seek heaven first, if I seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first, okay, then God will take care of me. That's my prosperity belief. Yes. I'm, I, I will have everything that I have need of, and then God will give you some perks <laughs> along the way. But, you know, John, John, I shouldn't want the life that God doesn't have for me anyway. Right. You know, God has our life planned for us. You know, as I said a while ago before we got on the podcast, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So if God's ordering my steps, am I not going to end up where God wants me to be? Now, I have to believe God for that. I've got to trust him. I have to trust that God can take care of me better than I can take care of myself. That's a gimme. Right. You know, here are the slaves. These are people that have unbelieving slave masters and believing slave masters that the Apostle Paul was saying, you just continue to love them, continue to keep your integrity, just like Joseph did, and and God will take care of that. And he didn't really even say that, you know, what the outcome would be. But, you know, when we trust God, we know that God's going to take care of us. Yes. And so that we have these people that's, you know, that's ministering all these things that uh, gain us godliness or whatever. I've heard people say that. 
I heard a man say one time, preaching the prosperity message, John, that, uh, you know, if he went into the, to the ghetto in an old beat-up car and preached to the kids in the ghetto there, they wouldn't listen to him. But when I pull in in my Rolls Royce, you know, they'll want to listen to me. Well, if I was a kid in the ghetto, what came to my mind, I was be wondering why this preacher was driving a Rolls Royce when I was starving to death. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be blunt about it, but, um, you know, we was talking about Abraham last week, and, I, and I, I'm not sure we'll get there this week or not. But what we failed to realize, yes, Abraham was a wealthy man, but Abraham was already to, also taking care of a city. I mean, you look at the amount of people, there was hundreds of people uh, that, that worked for Abraham. And so Abraham was taking care of all those people. John, when you're taking care of, you know, three or four hundred, five hundred people and their families, you know, that's, that's, I have, I think, 10 employees. That's a handful. And so, you know, when you're taking care of, you have no federal government assistance, you have no uh, welfare system, you have no entitlements whatsoever. Abraham was taking care of those people. God raises up people, even in our day, that are people that he has given callings upon their life to be leaders. Leaders in government, leaders in local municipalities, in the state government, in the church. God gives people these jobs. that they're, they're, God told uh, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Mm-hmm. John, I believe we were all born with a purpose from God. Yes. It says here, in uh, where you where you're talking about the steps of a good man, it says a righteous man is some. It says a a good man is uh, Psalm uh, thirty seven twenty three and twenty four. It says the steps. Here's the English Standard Version. I love this version. It says the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. Yes, in his way. So, so you have to think. Okay, there is an established plan for your life yes. and you delight yourself in him then you'll be able to fulfill what god wants for your life and i think that that is extremely good it goes back over to uh jeremiah twenty nine eleven. uh you know you you're right there with that one let's see jeremiah twenty nine eleven. let me see here jeremiah 29 jeremiah 20 this is andy stout's favorite scripture twenty nine eleven. And he could quote it. Okay. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, and to give you an expected end. Yes. So it's like you look at Psalms 37, 23, that seems to be the beginning. And then you, you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and he has plans for me, thoughts of peace, not of evil, and to give you an expected end. That means, now think of that, an expected end means that it's planned. Yes. It's expected. God's taking care of me. God's taking care of it. He's got this. Yeah, that's good. Now, there's a broad way, Jesus said, there's a broad way that leads to destruction and an air way that leads to life. Yeah. John, that's really simple. You know, the broad way in that day was like a, like a, uh, what do you call these things, flea market beside the highway. Yeah, right. You had everybody, uh, we didn't have Kroger's. We didn't have grocery stores. We didn't have malls. 
you know, in their day, it was it was a place where people would gather and they would sell their goods, their fish, you know, their their produce and all that. And Jesus is looking that direction, probably saw, a, a, you know, looking down that uh, road and saw that uh, flea market, if you will, uh, up ahead. Right. But then he pointed to this little narrow, constricted way, a little narrow alley that was hard to get through. And he said, many go the broad way that leads to destruction, but few go the narrow way. And we have to choose this day. We, we got to make a choice. Are we going the broad way or are we going the narrow way? And the, really what that's saying is if you go the broad way, you're trusting that you can take care of your life and make plans for your life, make decisions for your life, and, and you go that direction. The narrow way is when you give your life to God, your decisions to God, your direction to God, and you let God be Lord over your life. Yeah. And let, you know, you're going, you know, where God's taking you instead of where you're taking you and where you want to go. Now, yeah. Joseph, you think about this dream Joseph had. And I think Joseph, in my opinion, uh, let that go to his head a little bit. I do, too. You know, I think a lot of that was self-inflicted. Yeah. If he wouldn't have been bragging to his brothers like he was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you're going to bow down to me someday. And no wonder they stuck him in yeah. a hole. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, uh, I think, yes. But God I, doesn't God use our stupidity. Yes. Yeah. That uh, He's a lot of help. If you don't believe me, just try it and you'll find out God's had to help me a lot through the years. Oh, me too. And st- I still need it. But. You know, Joseph gets this dream that, you know, all these, you know, his family's going to be bowing down to him, even his mom and dad. And, you know, his brothers got more, you know, furious with him, and his and his father rebuked him. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, Joseph thought, man, I'm going to have all this. I'm going to be the, you know, the head honcho here. I'm going to be the head, and they're going to be the tail, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Sure. Didn't turn out that way. No. I mean, you look what the, that young man went through, John. He went oh, through yeah. hell on earth. He did. But in the end, God turned all that. Right. And what Joseph thought would happen was not what happened at all. Joseph kind of had the idea that he was going to be the chief, and he realized God just had a plan to save his family. Right. And Through the so family, that's yeah. that's the whole thing, John. Yeah. You know, we get this mis this mis uh, mixed up idea that you know it's all about us. God put us on this planet, and He said, "Don't think about yourself. Think yeah. on others." Right, and we've lost that, John, and we got to come back to that. So, so basically, what we've lost is the servanthood of Christianity. Yes, absolutely, yes. I'm gonna write that down because that's it. Seems like that's what's been lost. And you know, we want to see a move of God take place. Right there is where it is. If we can become servants to Jesus Christ, everything will fall into place, John. Mm-hmm. If we go wherever God tells us to go and we do whatever God tells us to do, say whatever God tells us to say, you know, it's not easy for me to say the things I'm saying. I know that I've got, you know, I'm not making friends. I'm not getting any hate mail. But uh, maybe I'm you surprised. are. <laughs> but, uh, well, let me finish this up. It says, right. um, let's go back to verse 5. Perverse, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Get away from it. Run from it. Mm-hmm. Now, John, when I say that, how much ministry in the United States of America I'm gonna ha- am I going to have to flee from? Now, just think about what I'm saying. Because I'm going to sum this up. I, it, you know, in the days ahead, whenever the Lord allows me to do it, I'm going to take this into, you know, the Old Testament prophecies 
and uh, things that are spoken. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to really open some eyes with this down the road. But it says, withdraw thyself. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So in other words, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's telling Timothy, this world's wealth and the things this world is not great gain, but godliness with just being content with what God is doing in your life is the true wealth. It's great gain. He said, for verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Mm -hmm. No matter what you amass in this world, the wealth, when you go to the grave, it stays behind. It's over with. So that's why I want to be invested in heaven. And it goes on to say, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Boy, that's so simple. With food and raiment, be you therewith content. Verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That takes us right back to the, to the sower. Here you had these people that actually the word of God had been sown into their life and they had fruit. But listen to what Jesus said. He said it do, they do not bring fruit to maturity. Now the others never had no fruit in the other scenarios, John. But here you have these that, that receive the word, but then, you know, they have fruit bearing. And then all of a sudden thorns start choking out this, this harvest. Mm-hmm. And he said that the cares of this life and the things of the world come in and choke out the word of God, and they become unfruitful. They were on their way. They had fruit that didn't ripen, that didn't come to maturity, and then they lost it, John. That's the cares of this world. That's what this prosperity doctrine that they're preaching that puts our focus on this world, our self, the things of money, all of these things, and it chokes out the word of God because there's not enough time in our day. There's not enough time in our life to do both. We have to choose. Are we going down the broad road or the narrow road? Are we going to live our life or are we going to live the life that God has for us? Because what we have to do, my pastor used to say this all the time, we have got to sell out to Jesus. We ha- he has to be, he has to be um, well, we've been bought with the price. Right, And so, you know, really, in essence, I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul said. Um, I am a, um, a, a, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's handcuffed to a, ro- a Roman soldier, John. He has no liberty. You know, mm-hmm. and they gave him some liberty over other, other uh, prisoners. But he's, he's being taken s- somewhere other than where he really would want to go. But he said, I'm a prisoner. He didn't say I was a prisoner of Rome. He didn't say I was a prisoner of the government system. He didn't say I was wrongly accused. None of that. He said, you know what? I'm handcuffed to a Roman soldier. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ because Jesus has taken this somewhere. Mm-hmm. No matter what we go through, you know, <laughs> there was a time, John, that I had a financial situation. Y'all will hear me say this a lot, but uh, I had problems with the IRS. It was horrible. That, my accountant took care of that. There was just some misconceptions that they had or whatever. And God just diffused that thing. But, John, when I was going through that, it was awful. But one day I realized that, you know what? God allowed that to happen. God could have stopped every bit of that, John. God doesn't stop the trials that's in our life. 
Mm-hmm. God takes us through the trials yeah, in is. our life. God doesn't remove all the mountains in our life. God takes us over the mountains in our life because the things that God takes us through are the building blocks that establish in our lives the faith in God that God can do the impossible. If God never took us through a problem, we would not know a God that is a problem solver. So God doesn't take all those things away. He takes us through them, um, and we grow through those things. But now let's go on. Having food and raiment, let us therefore be be with, therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, people who are uh, have wealth um, and that serve Jesus Christ, it, God is fine with their wealth. God has blessed them with wealth. Uh, John, they face things. I mean, they're constantly battling uh, whether they're going to trust God or they're going to trust in the wealth that they have. You know, sometimes I'd rather just not have the trials and the temptations. You know, some people think, well, I would love to be rich. Well, you don't know. You don't know that. You've never been there. You know, uh, and there are people that can amass wealth, and God will bless them. They do a great work for God. Um, you know, God works through those people's lives, and uh, and he probably called them to be that. You know, they could probably give everything they have away, and in six months they'd be right back where they is because that's what God's doing in their life. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not against people having wealth. I'm just against people, uh, have the wealth having people's hearts. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about here. When you have wealth, it you know, there's a, there has to be a struggle with, you know, if I'm going to trust in my, in my financial security or am I going to trust in my heavenly security? Yeah. Which one? So there has to be a battle in the flesh that goes on, and I believe that that's what the Apostle Paul, there are some people that if they amassed wealth, John, would walk away from God and never look back. They would just, you know, it's sad, but they would. Okay, now let's go on to the next, because here's a scripture that they use all the time with this, with the prosperity doctrine that's, you know, thwarted or twisted. He said, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, they say, well, money's not the root of all evil, the love of money. So it, that makes money okay. Well, that's fine, but, you know, what's in the man's heart? That's what God sees. And you may fool me, I may fool you, but you do not fool God. If there's greed in your heart, you know, if you're after wealth, if it's all about, if your focus is on the things of the world and not on God, God knows. You don't fool God. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, not all, but some, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows, those that covet after. We, John, we are not to covet after wealth. That tells us we are not to covet. Our focus should be on Jesus. We should covet. Uh, we should lust after Jesus. We should not lust after wealth. That's what it says to us. But see, it's amazing how the only part of the Scripture you hear is half of it. We always hear, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not bad. But they don't go before it as we've done here this morning, and read what's leading up to that, and they don't read after it. Mm-hmm. But listen to what it says, for they pierce themselves, for the love of money is the root of all evil, verse 10, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Why? Because they're trusting in their money. Now, they claim that they're the faith teachers, and they're the faith preachers. You think about what I'm saying here. Right. 
And he said, but they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11, listen to this. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. What is a good fight of faith? God's going to take care of me. Whether I've got one penny or I've got millions of dollars, it's not about the penny that I have or the millions of dollars. It's God that is taking care of me. That's the good fight. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Um, and then it goes on over to charge them, um, uh, skip over to verse 17, charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So it's where the trust is. It's where the trust is. Are you trusting in your wealth or are you trusting in God? who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So there's nothing wrong, John. I mean, man, you know, if if you have a boat, if you have a, you know, uh, a, a camp, if you go on a vacation, you know, uh, and I can't I can't say whether those things are right or wrong. And uh, but I know there's been times that God has allowed I love to fish. There's times that God's told me such so got go fishing. You know, there have been times that God's told me not to go fishing, and I've went fishing. Yeah. And I'm just using this as an analogy. Sure. You know, I mean, you, yours could be golfing or whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, and you know what? When I went fishing, I didn't catch anything because God didn't. That there's been times that the Lord has told me, Scott, go fishing. And man, I've caught fish and had a good time. And every, you know, what I found is, is that when you're doing what God is, is speaking to you to do. And he will give us leisure time. He will give us times with our families. And, and you know, the, God will bless us in those things. I mean, God made that lake for us to ride our boat on or that river or whatever. God gave man the wisdom to build boats. Um, but, you know, if, if we neglect the calling of God on our life, if, we're, if we should be somewhere else, and, and we're doing something that we want to do instead of something God has directed us to do, that's when we have a problem. Right. You know, we, we just have to, you know, either God's in, is Lord, Jesus is Lord of our life or not. And, uh, you know, it's just, and I could tell some more stories about that, but, you know, uh, you know, the main thing is, is that we are seeking God's direction and his purpose in our life every moment of every day. Listen to, <clears throat> listen to the uh, New Living Translation of First Timothy chapter six seventeen, the one you just just read, teach, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, but to and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Yes. Okay. Now, yes. What I did was, I looked at uh, at what the King James said in verse seventeen, and it says unreliable in the New Living Translation. And it says uncertain riches yes. within. Uh, got a phone. <clears throat> <coughs> excuse me. Got a phone call the other day from from somebody that you would know if in, and was prominent for years uh, in in this area. Um, person called me for advice, which I'm humbled by, but they didn't have to call me for this advice. What do you think about me buying? Gold and silver. That's what the person said. Should I buy gold and silver? And I said, well, I said, you can buy gold and silver. And I said, 
that will maybe help you in leverage. But the Bible, I, and I can't find the scripture right off hand, but the Bible says that in the end times, even gold and silver ain't going to bail you out. It's That's going to have no worth. That's what exactly. it says. We're going to get into that too. Yeah, it says that it'll have no worth. You know, so, you know, it's like, and then I got another phone call from another person that said, do you think that the federal government, the banks are going to fail? And I said, well, let me tell you, and I spent 19 years in banking, and I know that I know this one thing that I learned a lot, but this one thing that I know. It says that your money is FDIC secure, up to $100,000. Well, it's really not. They say it's up to $100,000, but it's only a percentage of what the bank has in assets that they can only that they can only secure you for. And so people today say that their money is secure, but yet the Federal Reserve has no guidelines. It has no internal or external audits. It has no policing. And and even back in the day of Fort Knox, when when there was all the gold in Fort Knox, it's not there now. And the reason why it's not there now is it was all it was all turned into the feds, to the Federal Reserve, where there is no audits and we don't know what they do. And so, if you want, and I look in the camera here with experience of nineteen years in banking. If you want to put your faith in this economy, and if you want to put your faith in the stock market, let me tell you what the stock market is. I'm not against the stock market. I have I have money in the stock market. But let me tell you something. Here's what you got to be careful of. When you buy that stock, you're giving them permission to spend your money. When you put that money in, in your bank, you're giving them permission to spend your money. Because what they do is they, they take your money, and they and they invested in overnight Fed funds and make one percent the money that you have in your checking account, that's paying zero to you. Now I'm not saying go bury it in the backyard and put it under a mattress. I'm not saying to do that, but don't put a lot of faith in the economy of this world, where you got to put it is in Jesus. Yes. Now yes. that was a lot. Now you think about but what that's, you just but said it's there, very there, John. True. Uh, and, and we're headed that direction. There's, you know, there's scripture for all this. God well, the answers one world government's all the questions. Coming. Yes. I mean, yes. it's coming. And and here, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but but here's what I want to uh, say. And, and then you can finish this out here. This one world government is going to be wonderful to the world. I'm not saying it's going to be great because it's not. And I'm telling you, the mark of the beast is going to be terrible. Don't take it. The, the uh, You know, the one world government is going to be horrible. But they're going to sell it as the most wonderful yes. thing. Yes. The mark of the beast, Scott, is going to be the greatest thing in the world. You get a market, and, and you know, wherever they put it, and, you know, you can buy and trade. Do you not think that we're all already on our way there because we have debit cards? There's a thing called, uh, called um, cryptocurrency. It doesn't exist. I was talking to Kathy Kishner about this on Sunday morning at the Pulse. 
you can't say, I want to go to the bank and say, I'd like to have some cryptocurrency so I can take it and put it in my vault. You can't buy it. I mean, you can buy it and you can sell it. It's real expensive, but it doesn't exist. Now, you tell me how crazy that is, Scott, that you're buying and you're investing into something that doesn't exist. And guess what? It's fallen like crazy, and there's people that have lost hundreds of millions of dollars in cryptocurrency, something that doesn't exist. Well, that's why the Word of God talks about the deception. Yeah. Deceived and being deceived. Yeah. Uh, or deceiving and being deceived. So, you know, we, we're headed that direction, John, and that's why I'm trying to, you know, to to minister this message and, and, and to get people's trust off of things, off of money. Uh, you know, Big Brother promises to take care of us, John, but Jesus takes care of us. Jesus takes care of us. And and look, if you if you want to elect a man, put a put a man in office, put a man in Congress that that says that they're going to take care of you. Well, you can believe him to a point, but here's the thing: at, at the end of the day, it's God taking care of us. Back to what I said about the mark of the beast and and. And all this other stuff, you know who I think are going to be the biggest suckers for this? The church, and that's what I can't. I, that's I, why I'm trying to minister this. Job. They're going to be the biggest suckers. Some of the people in the church, Scott, and you know it as well as I do, are going to be first in line because it's the greatest thing in the world. And there, the the church many times is being deceived. Any time. There's an opportunity. I mean, am I wrong? No, I, th- I think you're exactly right. And that's why I'm trying to minister or preach this warning, John. Right. Anytime that there's an opportunity, we should pray about that. We should pray about every job we take. Yeah. You know, all of these decisions in our life, and some people say not small ones, but I think all things, bring all things to God in prayer. Yeah. Um, because I've said this countless times, all that glitters is not God. Sometimes a golden opportunity, it looks like this has to be God. Well, you know what? I've been burned by that so many times, John. Oh, and, man. And, you know, just, yeah. you know, I, it's taught me to be careful. You know, they say, look before you leap, but, you know, pray before you leap. You know, seek God's counsel because, John, the Word of God tells us that the day will come that we'll throw our money in the streets. Because it's not worth it. It's worthless. So what's going to cause that? What's going to happen there? Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's going to happen to all these people that have been taught to trust in riches, to trust in their money? That's why these people are calling you, asking these questions. All of a sudden, the things that have been certain are uncertain. Right. You know, you can you can amass wealth, and they could they could just decide that we're going to do away with the monetary system, and we're going to a, an electronic system, and you're wiped out. Mm-hmm. One visit to a hospital. There are so many things. That's why Jesus said, invest in heaven because there's no moth that can eat it up. There's nobody that can steal it. No matter what you have in this world, you can lose it at a moment's time. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have Jesus Christ for eternity. The things of God are eternal. The things of this world are temporal. And so that's why it concerns me with the church that has their focus on all these temporal things, and they're not looking for eternal things. And uh, the Word of God teaches us that, to keep our focus on heaven. Um, And, you know, it's really scary where the church is today. Um, You know, the world, sure, the world's going after the things of the world, the monetary system, but as the body of Christ, as the church, we're not supposed to be going with the flow. We're supposed to be going against the flow. 
You know, we're of another kingdom. We're, we're in this world, but we are not of this world. You know, we, we don't think like this world. We think we should have the mind of Christ and think as God thinks. Um, and, you know, John, we, we've just become a carnal church. We're more fleshly than spiritual, and it's not healthy. We're, we're headed for disaster. And I'm trying to minister this message to get people turned around. I own a business. You know, my business got devastated, and we're not through all that yet. But I could talk about some of the miracles, and I will at some point in time. But that business does not own me. If God shuts that business down today, I'll be happy. If God keeps the business open, I'll be happy. You know, it doesn't matter to me. All I want to do is serve God. If you know, whatever, Wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do. My trust is not in that business. Because, John, if it hadn't been for God and the miracles and the things that he's done, my business would not exist. And so it, it's my trust is not in the things of this world. My trust is in the God that I serve. Hallelujah. I found that scripture. This is a good one. You'll, 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 be, you'll be preaching this one until Jesus comes because I found it. It's, uh, it's Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19. Here's what it says. I'll give it to you in King James and then uh, maybe English Standard. And they shall cast their silver in the streets. That's what you were talking about. And their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them. In the day of the wrath of the Lord, they shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowls, because it is a stumbling block to their iniquity. Yes. Now listen to, here's, here's the English standard. They cast their silver into the streets, and their gold is like an unclean thing. Their silver and their gold are not able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their hunger, nor their stomachs with it. There you go. For it is the stumbling block there you go. of their iniquity. There you go. I mean... John sums it all up, right? God is a jealous God. America is worshiping the things of the world. Money, uh, the things that money produces. Our focus has left God, and our focus is on idols. Yeah. And so when, when your focus becomes unhealthy and your focus is on idols, God will take it away. Uh, well, Brother Scott, that's Old Testament. We're not under that anymore. Well, you know what? We better read the prophecies about our future that are coming, that have not been fulfilled yet. And, uh, boy, there's just a lot of misinterpretation of God's Word today, John. And I want to I close with this today. Uh, Fifteen years ago, and I, you know, I've told you guys how, in, in multiple times, how God stopped you know, just stop me dead in my tracks, you know, begin to make me look at the things around, or I started looking at the things around the session, you know, where the church is, where our nation is. And I started just asking questions, asking myself questions, asking God questions. But this is one of the scriptures, a passage of scriptures early on that the Lord gave me some 15 years ago, because I was riding down the road and I'm always either in the shower or riding down the road in my car. I, I mean, God just God will speak to us in different ways, and, and, and we're all different. But, you know, I was just driving down the road in my car, and the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he said, he spoke to my heart. He said, Scott, that's my church. And I said, well, Lord, who? who? What do you mean? He said, the prodigal son. 
Wow. He said, that's my church. Now, John, I've ministered the prodigal son multiple times. Mm-hmm. But God's about to give me a revelation to this that I never had before. I said, well, Lord, what do you mean that's your church, the prodigal son? He said, Scott, the church came to me, and they asked me for all the stuff, all the wealth. They asked me for the inheritance, and they left me. Wow. Yeah. If that's not the prosperity message, John, the thwarted prosperity message, church right now, Jesus Christ, the Father, is waiting on us to come home. Yes. He wants us. We've squandered it. We've squandered. We have lost so much time in this nation. And the work that we could have been doing for the kingdom, we've wasted a lot of time. But God is ever merciful. His tender mercies. If it wasn't for God's tender mercies, if mercy wasn't enough. I needed the tender mercies of God to even be here today. And I thank God for that. God is a God that uh, if he told Peter to forgive seven times, uh, seven in a day, that's the same God that will do that for you and me. And and G- God is pleading with the church right now, John, to come back, to come back to Jesus, come back to the cross, um, to forsake this world and put our focus on heaven. And I believe if the church or the remnant that will do that, we're going to see the greatest outpouring of God's spirit I believe souls will be saved, lives will be changed. When we serve God with all of our hopes, heart, soul, mind, and strength, all through the Bible, there's never been a man or woman that did that that didn't reap a reward from that, John. There was, there was a harvest that came with that. When we give God our all and our everything, God will give us his all and his everything. Yes. That's what the Word of God teaches. That's good. That is so good. So what do you tell that person that has been um, in a place where, and 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 there, and that's where they are right now. They don't know where to turn. They don't. Ha- they're friendless. They they're hopeless. Where do you where do you send them to? Well, all through the Gospels, and I, and and some of you all that's watching today or listening today may not be familiar with the church at all. You may not know anything about God. Well, in the Bible, in the Word of God, the Bible is God's Word. We have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels are the stories that Matthew wrote about the time on this earth when Jesus, the Son of God, walked this earth. The Son of God that came from heaven to earth because of the messed up human race, because of all the problems that you and I face. He came from heaven to earth and walked on this earth in his ministry. He lived to be 33 and a half years old, but his ministry was over a three and a half year period of time. Now you think about three and a half years that Jesus was was in his ministry on this earth that still is moving and working on the, in this world today. A name, I don't know, two generations after I'm gone, John, after I die, Nobody will remember my name. I've asked people who their great-grandfather's name was. Most people can't tell you that. But the name of Jesus 2,000 years later is still the most well-known name in the world. Everybody has either knows Jesus or have heard about Jesus worldwide. Okay, so this man for three and a half years ministered on this earth teaching us things about the kingdom of God. 
For three and a half years, Jesus reached out to the broken people, the broken lives, the homeless, the hungry, the sick, the diseased, the sinful. And these people that came to Jesus received of him. He touched their lives, changed their lives, the brokenness, the heartache. That's who Jesus is. And today, you may not know one thing about God, but I'm here to tell you that if you will receive this same Jesus, he, he died, was, was crucified on the cross, he was buried. But the Word of God teaches us that Jesus arose from the grave. He is alive today. That same Jesus is here and present now to work in your life just like he did in the people's lives in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the stories of Jesus' life on this earth. You need to get you a Bible, and you need to read those passages of Scripture. If you you don't know where they are, find somebody that can show you. Send John a message. We'll help you with this because the Word of God through and Jesus Christ through His Word will change your life. Amen. He will make you a brand-new creation. Now, those of you that will, all you have to do, well, well, well Scott, how, how do I do this? It's just simple. You just receive Him in a simple little prayer. You, you just talk to Jesus, a simple little conversation, and Jesus Christ will come into your life. Jesus lives in my heart. He lives in John's heart. Anybody that prays this prayer, Jesus will come into your life and live in your That sounds ludicrous. Well, you know, I've seen the miracles and the, and the power of God touch so many people's lives. I've seen him change lives. He is alive. And so today, you have an opportunity to have the Son of God alive inside of you living in your life to fix the brokenness to change the direction of your life to bring blessings and restoration to your life to bring peace to your life and more than anything to save you and make you a child of God and take you to heaven to live forever and forever you will never die if you receive Jesus Christ so bow your head right now and pray this simple little prayer with me and and just just repeat after me Lord Jesus Lord Jesus I come to you a sinner. I come to you a sinner. But Lord, your word says. But your word says. If I will confess my sins. If I will confess my sins. You are faithful. You are faithful. And you are just. You are just. To forgive me. To forgive me. Of all unrighteousness. Of all unrighteousness. Lord. Lord. You died on the cross. You died on the cross. You nailed my sins. You nailed my sins. To the cross. To the cross. Taking them. Taking them. Out of the way. Out of the way. Setting me free. Setting me free. And I believe that. And I believe that. I believe. And I believe. You died on the cross. You died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you were buried. And I believe. And I believe. That you arose again. That you rose again. And you are alive forevermore. And you are alive forevermore. I believe. I believe. That you are the son of God. That you are the son of God. And I believe. And I believe. This day. This day. That you have saved me. That you have saved me. And I am on my way to heaven. And I am on my way to heaven. And Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus. I ask you. I ask you. To fix my broken to life. To fix my broken life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer today, let us know. Let let Evangelist Scott Means know as well uh, on Messenger. Send him an email. Send him a text uh, and let him know that you accepted him. You need a Bible. You let us know. We will send you one free of charge, courtesy of the Pulse WV Live and, and uh, Elk River Ministries today. We just want to be a blessing to you right back. God is faithful. Hey, we've got something going on tonight I need to tell you about. And uh, <clears throat> it's on the screen, but, but for those that are listening on the radio, you can't see it. Uh, it's called Passover Dinner. You know, Easter Sunday is coming up this week. And um, tomorrow is Good Friday. 
And so the Passover dinner uh, is tonight in Gasaway at the Pulse Church. It's uh, Thursday, April 6th, 6 p.m., and the Seder dinner uh, begins then. And it's 403 Elk Street in Gasaway, West Virginia, and we hope that you can make it. Amen. Because it's uh, going to be a great dinner. I've, I've participated in many of these, uh, and uh, it's just really an awesome time. Brother Scott, great message today. Good God to be help here, John. You. I Amen. appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's my it's my privilege and it's all God's. You yes. know, it's all and God's. You know, I pray that people in other parts of the world receive this too, John, to Amen. see. Um, you know, we in this nation we have we just don't understand you know what some people go through trying to, you know, receive Christ. Right. Or to minister the gospel, the persecution that they face. Yes. And I'm so thankful that God just outsmarted Satan. And he has all these platforms that can go into these areas that have been walled up against the gospel, and they they demand yeah. no gospel preached here. But isn't God just awesome to be yeah. able that people can just pick up a little cell phone and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from another part of the world? Yeah, that is the awesome God that we serve. Especially some of these con- communist countries. Yes, you know that uh, that God has allowed us to be a part of. And I will say this. Whether you're in the United States or whether you're in a foreign country, and if we can make it possible, and, and God can make it possible, maybe I should say that, if God makes it possible, we will come to your country, we will come to your city, and we will hold meetings, uh, and Brother Scott will be there too, because I know it, it. I would love to come. Oh, yes, we would. So uh, you just have to let us know. And reach out to us because um, it would be the most awesome experience to come to your city or your country and uh, and be able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I want some of you all to understand, too, in different parts of the world. I never dreamed that I'd be saying this, John, because, you know, it's amazing the platforms that God gives you. But, you know, not everybody in the United States of America is wealthy. Some, you That's know, true. The people look at the United States. You know, we have we have very poor people here. And uh, I live in Ahala. In West Virginia, in the hills of West Virginia, in a rural area. That's a holler. Uh, and that's, they, they, that's a holler. I had somebody ask me, "What's Brother Scott, what is a holler? I, said, they, I explained it. They said, oh, you mean a ravine. Uh, it's and, a you know, holler. We, we just live out in the country. Right. You know, not in big cities. Um, you know, so so sometimes I think we misrepresent what, you know, what, yeah, really is the reality of living in the United States of America. We have the same problems that everybody else has. You know, there's uh, problems or problems no matter what part of the world you live in. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, some of the, the we call third world countries, you know, they would love to have this wealth. Well, let me tell you something. America has wealth, but right now America is not blessed. Because, no, you know, we've got our focus on our wealth, and we've forgotten that Jesus Christ is the, is the true blessing, the true wealth. And so those of you in countries that don't have that wealth, you can be the richest people on the planet by just having Jesus Christ. Yeah, because I've, you know, I've been in, I've been in to some, some places overseas where people didn't have anything. They had no wealth, but they were rich. Yes. They didn't. Yes. I went into a house one time. I'll never forget this. This has been uh, one, of, one of the trips to South America, and it was in a rough area. It was, uh, the area was a, uh, the houses were formed on a trash heap. And 
<clears throat> one of the one of the handlers, uh, one of the guys who who was uh, was there, he said, "Now, I can't send." He said, "We're going to send you and your family." It was John and Lindsay, Christy and me, and but there were others. But this these two girls had been to church on Sunday, just the cutest little girls. They had matching dresses, and their mother dressed them up really nice. And the little girl had said, "My mommy." would love for you to come and pray over their house, over their house. And so the guy told me, he said, John, he said, this is a rough area. He said, I can't send any detail with you. He said, we can't send an entourage. There'll be one van. You all will be in the van. <clears throat> he said, the, van, the driver knows where to take you. You're going to have to walk. We walked up that trash heap. He said, he said, try not. I mean, it's it's hard to tell when you're a gringo and you have to walk. Don't make any. It's like, don't shed light on yourself. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how you going to do that? And it's like, OK, so we we went and he said, because, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to ruffle up anybody. So we went into their house. Their commode. Was a was a hole in their kitchen. That's that's where they went to the restroom. All right. I remember walking in and there was a Sony flat screen TV. There was a very small TV and it had an antenna and it was just rolling up. You know, it wasn't like a clear picture at all. And there was such joy in that home. And we got to pray over that home and pray for those people. And it was awesome. So. There are people that may be listening that, you know, have a some kind of listening device. But don't think that you're poor. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. Yes. yes. And yes. those people did. And I walked out of there and, you know, God protected us. We didn't have any security issues. Everything was good. But this was a rough area. I mean, this was a rough area. And and uh, God protected us. Yes. I learned a lot through that, and I'll never forget it. Yes. And so we would love to come to your town, and uh, God is faithful. God is so faithful. You want to be a part of this ministry, one of the ways you can do it, you can give to it, and you could give to the Pulse Church, or you could give to uh, Elk River Ministries. And if you send you send money to Elk River Ministries, I will make sure that it gets to, to uh, Evangelist Scott Means. Text the word PULSE to one three zero four. 244-3187 you could go to thepulsechurch.com give through PayPal or mail your love gift to P.O. Box 141 Gasaway, West Virginia 26624 and in the documentation make sure that you put Elk River Ministries or World Outreach Ministries make sure of that and, um, and Evangelist Scott Means will make sure that the money is used uh, for the further of the kingdom as well as the Pulse Church have a great day everybody Thanks for listening and watching the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God.